Hello and welcome to another episode of Lie, Cheat, and Steal, the podcast about liars, frauds, thieves, and bullshitters. I'm your host, Pat Royce. Want to remind you that we are a bi-monthly podcast, and you can also check us out on Twitter, at LCS Podcast. And then we also have our Patreon, if you like what you hear. We do two more episodes per month on there. It's patreon.com slash lie, cheat, and steal. So go ahead and check it out. If you haven't already, be sure to leave a five-star review and a, a nice little comment under our uh, podcast. That'll help get the word out. Uh, that being said, welcome to the show. With me, as always, my co-host, Kath Barbadoro. Kath, how you doing? Hi, Pat. I'm doing good. Um, we're recording this on a Sunday night. Excited to settle in and watch all my Sunday television shows. Uh, yeah. You know, Succession, Barry. Those are my big <laughs> Sunday ones. I've been catching up on Succession. I'm in season three right now, so I'm getting I'm getting close. I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I've I've fallen asleep with it on enough that I've I've spoiled season four a little bit for me. I know where <laughs> it's going, but I love the show so much that it's okay. Uh, my girlfriend uh, says we have two little dogs. Uh, we have George and Edward. You've met both, and the little white dog Edward. He's he's a little old and he moves around and he has a little like sometimes a little curmudgeonly kind of posture. So we've been giving him Logan's voice. <laughs> so whatever mm, I can see he that. Walks, yeah, he'll like walk in a room. We'll just be like fuck off. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it's pretty fun. But yeah, we're a succession household as well. Um. Yeah, that's that's what's up. Yeah, I we are on a Sunday. This is gonna be not really a long episode, but it's a lot to cover. So okay. I am going to uh, dive right in. Let's, let's see. Do it. Uh, let's see if I do a segue here. Yeah. Um, you know, speaking of uh, just uh, if we're talking about succession. I have. I, I have, Speaking of. Oh no! Hit yeah! Hit me! I I, I need it. <laughs> so this episode is about um, someone American pretending to be British. Succession is about a lot of British people pretending to be American. (laughs) So that's my segue. Uh, Speaking of people, white people doing accents that they don't actually have. (laughs) How's that? We are not revisiting. (laughs) Yeah, that's very good. And we are not revisiting the Hilaria Baldwin episode. Mm -hmm. This is uh, is new new white people doing accents territory. (laughs) We're today we're talking about a lot of listeners. A lot of listeners reached out to us with this. They sent us uh, for Nicholas Oliverdian. Uh, yeah, Oliverdian, which AKA... I somehow have missed all of this, so I'm excited. I yeah, I, I don't know. I was I, I was shocked. Right? Yeah, <laughs> Nicholas Oliverdian, aka Nicholas Rossi, aka Arthur Knight, aka Big Nick. No, I don't know. I don't know if that's his name, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's what we're talking about today. This is just an insane story. It's still developing. This guy, I I, I was thinking of how we have we have the Good Guys Club. I think we're starting to get some people in now. Like, I don't want to like to steal from last podcast and call it heavy hitters, but just people who are the most you can be full of shit, just like mm. like out of this world full of shit. And we've had George Santos. I think was the first, it, it, the first one who really. It made me think of maybe we need a new category for guys or of people who are just insanely full of shit, like to to, to a point where. Uh, this this guy is one of these people who just lies on top of lies, always scamming. Uh, we're talking today about Nicholas Oliverdian. And Nicholas Oliverdian is an American convicted sex offender from Rhode Island uh, who is also an international fugitive hiding in plain sight under an assumed identity in the United Kingdom. Uh, Nicholas is wanted in connection with a 2008 rape case in Utah, as well as a federal fraud case involving his adopted parents. I know in this. I don't know if this is going to come so up in, in this story, but I'm assuming this has something to do with the coronation, just statistically. 
It actually, it actually doesn't. It, it, it doesn't. That that is a only that it I guess hasn't been some discovered. Guy king of yet. a whole country. There's a connection that hasn't been yeah, discovered yeah. yet. That's, that's all I'll say. I mean, I guess uh, crowning a single human absolute ruler of an entire island is kind of a fraud case in and of itself. I mean, there was... But, uh, um, I, I don't know what kind of sex offender this guy is, but, you know, the coronation did have its own royal pedophile there. Oh, so. <laughs> yeah, there was... Maybe this guy was second on the list that, to like, fulfill that uh, role. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> How could you, and the the Prince Andrew guy? How could you just be like, after what you just went through, very publicly, show back up with a stupid coat on, all smiling, like like anybody cares or likes you? Ugh. Disgusting. I think he's like a so, full simpleton. Is is my guess? I think he has he like has not a lot of brain activity going on. Yeah. But anyway, it's that's like, neither uh, to, here to nor there. <laughs> yeah, to fire back to succession, it's it's like Kendall's season three run where he's like, everybody's going to love me. Watch. <laughs> and it's <just> like, <laughs> no, no, everyone still hates you. You've changed nothing. <laughs> so in recent weeks, he's made media appearances alongside his wife, claiming to be an English gentleman by the name of Arthur Knight. He's reportedly still recovering from a brutal case of COVID. Actually, that's one of the few things you can confirm about his story is he did almost die of COVID. Okay. And that's how they caught him. Okay. So, so is he yeah, in yeah, the yeah. media <laughs> because of his, like, because of this case? Or was he, like, already doing media appearances for something else? So he, he got caught because of COVID because he was on the run. And he was doing a real good job covering his tracks internationally by disguising his IP address. Okay. And then um, when he, I, my theory is that when he had to go into the hospital because of COVID, his interactions with his wife, she wasn't keeping up the same strenuous level uh, of online secrecy that he was. Mm -hmm. And they were able to peg okay. his accounts to certain IP addresses. But he and wasn't that's, like, that's what, what I, what I was happened. trying to figure out, like he wasn't on TV for something else. And they, no, 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 yeah, he's on the TV because Got he it. is suspected. Or not, we'll get that out the way. He's not suspected. Like this dude is somebody else. Okay. Like the, this guy Arthur Knight. It's it. He's a fake person. All of Britain knows it, and it's kind of hilarious the way the reporters dog him. Because it's like, do you think your time's running out as Arthur Knight? Like you can just feel <laughs> wanting to be like you cunt. <laughs> like, they're really mad at this guy. So yeah, he's been saying that uh, he claims that, the, that this is the reason he shields his face with an oxygen mask. And although it should be noted that in all the interviews he's given, the oxygen mask is fitted improperly and doesn't appear to be attached to an oxygen tank. Nice. So, yeah. The absurdity of this act and the steadfastness to which Oliverdian has stuck to his story would be impressive if it weren't for the truly disgusting and brutal nature of his crimes. Sure. Uh, the act the act is fun to watch, but it is important to remember that he's using it to escape justice for extremely violent acts uh, against women. And I won't, we won't go to the more graphic details of his sexual crimes, but they are a key element of the story. So we will be discussing them and enlisting them. So heads up. Uh, so that will be coming up. So everybody okay. out there just... If that's not the thing you want to listen to, totally understood, but that is going to come up. So to understand this story, it's best we start with the most shocking detail of all, and that is his own death. So okay, it's February we got a 20th. death yeah. on our hands. <laughs> yeah, boy. Lovely. This guy is like an amalgamation of every type of scam you can do. There's financial Beautiful. scams. There's identity scams. It, it's it's everything. This, like I said, this dude is playing with a full George Santos deck. Nice. So, it's February 29th, 2020, in Providence, Rhode Island. 
State representatives and city council members and other assorted figures of Rhode Island government received some crushing news. Nicholas Oliverdian, the outspoken child welfare advocate who they had watched grow up in those halls of power where he started as a page in his early teens and eventually returned to uh, fight for reform in the Rhode Island foster care system, of which himself he was a product. Uh, he had, at the age of 32, succumbed to his long battle with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. R.I.P. Uh, R.I.P., man. Nicholas was uh, known as an intellectually gifted kid who would read bills back-to-back. He, they said he had a deeper understanding of laws than many of the elected officials. He formed close bonds with many of those figures who frequented the state building in Providence. Uh, on one instance, when Nicholas was on the verge of aging out of the foster care program, one representative had even considered adopting him. So that's how close he was with these people. Yeah. He was like, uh, you know, you know, like when like a young comic comes around, all the like, older comics kind of like, take him in. He was like that guy. Like, like there, everybody's like, oh, like, we love this little dude, you know? Good place to learn how to lie. Uh Politics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially he, Rhode Island was, politics, which are like sort of notoriously corrupt. So good insane. place to be. <laughs> One of the guys talking about him is just like a full on fucking chain. He's just like, yeah, I, 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 thought, I thought he thought he was a good kid. Turned out he wasn't. You know, <laughs> there's a lot of that. So Nicholas uh, would return later. So he left the, the, the state house at a certain point. And he would return later in his life as a young man. And there he fought for uh, for foster system reform. And he shared stories of the horrific abuse that he had faced growing up in that system. So the news hadn't been sudden. The public had been made aware of his diagnosis and medical struggle several months prior via a press release put out by his wife, Louise. Nick had married Louise shortly after moving to Scotland. And she had been his caretaker in the last months of his life. Okay, so he, pre the identity change, he was already documented to be in Scotland. Yes. He, yeah. he moved there he, with his wife. Okay. He, yeah, he moved there. He, well, he moved there, ma- moved there, met a woman and married her there. So he married Got it. British, so she's or, a Scottish uh, yeah, woman. Uh, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, Scottish woman. And so he, he marries there. So... All, so like but he his you know his home is Rhode Island his sure. home is Rhode Island politics so they start they, they start reaching out to people um with saying like hey it, it was released by his wife through his like um agency so to speak his PR agency and it was saying that you know he, he had married Louise shortly after moving to Scotland and she had been his caretaker in the last months of his life uh, news outlets in Rhode Island began to ran pieces on the declining health of the former Providence political figure, and well wishes began to pour out from public figures such as mayors and governors. And one reporter of the Providence Journal, Tom Mooney, was asked by his editors to cover the story, but he declined. And this led the ailing Nicholas to contact him. Nicholas contacted him and was like, he said he was polite, but he explained, like, hey, man, my impending death is newsworthy. I, I had a big impact on Rhode Island politics. So Tom listened to him. He talked to his editor. And he was like, you know what? Let's do a human interest piece. Okay, so he's, I thought you said they announced his death. They announced that he was about to die. They initially announced that he had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and that he was about to die. That Got he was it. near death. Okay, okay. So yeah, so, so that's coming up, and people are people are starting to do you know pour out well wishes. Sure. So then and, he pitches this human interest profile about him yes. because he's at the end of his life. Okay. And yeah, and other agencies were doing news pieces on him, and and like a lot of them were. And this one guy from Providence Journal was like, "No, nah, I don't want to do that." And he called him. I think Providence Journal had a place in his heart, and he was like, "No, mm-hmm. I want to get." I want to get like you know it's like when like you know we, we when our shit was in the Austin Chronicle I was like hell right. yeah it's just that that was what he wanted 
So Tom Liston was like, all right, man, here's what we'll do. We'll do a human interest piece, and I'll follow you along to a chemotherapy session, and I'll interview you. And when he pitched this to Nicholas, the tenor of the conversation changed. Mm-hmm. He told Tom, he goes, ah, man, I, I can't do that. I'm not in Rhode Island right now. He goes, well, well where are you? And he's like, well, you know, he became even more evasive. So this, re- this raised a few red flags for Tom. And a few months later, when the news broke that Nicholas had actually passed away, the, passing, the news passing you know, bugged him even more. And another public figure who was bugged after Nicholas's death was Father Healy over at Our Lady of Mercy in Providence. Nicholas's widow, Louise, had contacted the priest asking if they would host a memorial mass for Nicholas. And Father Healy obliged. And as soon as he did, he started getting all these like special requests from her, started to pour in. She wanted music. Specifically, she wanted classical music. She wanted Bach, Beethoven. Uh, she requested speeches to be made by five elected officials. Okay, she also yeah. wanted to play. So this this yeah. guy is designing his dream funeral, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that old expression? Like, if you get to write your own eulogy, don't hold back. <laughs> like that's that's yeah. for sure him. He's, he wants, so she, like, a whole celebratory ceremony all about him that he can then indirectly witness as the. Yeah, I- exactly. Some real Huck Finn shit. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he said he wanted, um, she wanted to play a video of Nicholas on the death on his deathbed, saying the final words, his final words, set to the orchestral score to the movie Contact. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the last words that that his last words that were recorded was, "Fear not and run to the bliss of the sun." <laughs> <laughs> All right, he's landed on a little yeah. thick. Yeah, I, I just watched Guardians of the Galaxy 3 where he's like, me and my friends are going to fly in the forever in blue sky. And that was better written than that. So <laughs> so Father Healy was like taken aback by the request. Like when she said she wanted Bach or Beethoven, he was like, I guess we could get some recordings. And she was like, well, if we wanted it, who would pay for an orchestra? Okay, <laughs> like, we need this yeah. live. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he was like kind of taken aback by this. But before he had time to really like react... He, heard, he got another request from the FBI, and the request was, don't do this memorial because we believe that Nicholas Oliverdian is still alive. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, big, big spoiler there. So I'm sure the guy guess, was, like, relieved he didn't have to do this extremely over-the-top yeah, yeah, funeral. He's yeah, like, yeah. oh, this frees up my schedule considerably. Yeah, yeah. Thank goodness. Thank the Lord this man's alive. Yeah, like, <laughs> so... This, this, so this is like you know the the end of that story, but to like kind of understand where it starts, we're sure. gonna go back to to, to, to Nicholas Oliverian. The funeral. When was this? When did he say so he, this was, was, he for, was dead? For twenty twenty, he died okay, February 2020. 29th, 2020. Got it. Yeah. So February twenty twenty, pre COVID. Pre COVID, right, right before COVID, and it almost thinks that if COVID had hit, like so, so a lot of the, the the cops say if he hadn't caught COVID, we wouldn't have caught him. Yeah. And. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of wonder, like, what would have uh, – if, if, if COVID would have, like, happened, like, beforehand, if he would have played it into his thing. I don't, I don't know. Because right, yeah. he said he died of, he said he died of non-Hodgkin's Hodgkin's lymphoma, and then the first question was, like, well, or that he had it. First question is, well, let's go to a chemotherapy session. When just three weeks later, he could have just been like, yo, he died of COVID. Right. And that just would have been it. I, like, I have COVID. Do the human interest story on me, but you can't come witness it yeah. because – his book is called. Uh, it's like, uh, it's basically it's, it's something to the effect of like, 
it, it, it paints him as a huge hero. I don't have the name of it up here, but he he wrote, he wrote his own book. But according to him, he was born to alcoholic parents who couldn't take care of him. Um, now he had he did have a family life for a little bit, and it started in 1996 when his mom married his stepdad, David Rossi, where he would get the name Nicholas Rossi, which is like one of the names he goes by in his life. So they met at a those so David's stepmom or David's mom or Nick's mom met, met David. Uh, at a Rhode Island bar where David was an Engelbert Humperdinck impersonator. Okay. <laughs> and he would like Didn't sing know that songs. was like a type of guy you could impersonate. Didn't, didn't know it was in demand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rhode Island is a weird place, though, so there's no talent. It is. I've done, I've done so much comedy in Rhode Island. I've done it like as an open micer, and I've done it like on tour as a booked comedian. And it's just... It's a funny place. It's like, as far as the comedy scene, I know tons of funny comics from there, but like, they're the guys who have this joke set up where it's like, dude, I was at a fucking place. They asked me to do this, and I was like, I'm going to do this other fucking thing. You know, it's just that, like, <laughs> that, 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 like, so many pantomime hitting a joint and then saying <laughs> the punchline out in fake smoke. Hell yeah. <laughs> I, my, I'm from Rhode Island, so I have a. Like not me, but like my family. My family's yeah, from oh, Federal yeah, yeah, Hill yeah. in Providence. So like, oh fuck yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have a special place in my heart for it. I still have family there and stuff. Uh, it's yeah. a it's a very weird, like <laughs> it being the smallest state. Like really, it it really is like its own place in a way that yeah. is like very strange <laughs> for a place that's like twenty square miles. But yeah, yeah. I really like the, the former mayor, Buddy Cianci. Like mm-hmm. he he beat a guy to death with a log out of, not to death but he beat a guy with a log out of the fireplace in like the executive office yeah like, yeah it's a weird yeah. it's a weird place uh they're not sure. fucking around out there i've heard <laughs> that the 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 new england all the new england mafia stuff was based out of rhode island yeah. which is crazy because it's a small estate you'd think it would be based out of like boston or hartford maybe nope well, rhode boston, island maybe. boston had the irish so the italians right. sort of regrouped in providence which is again there's and there's a big italian american community there which is what my family yeah. is from so yeah, 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 it was a good good place to set up shop, kind of halfway between New York <laughs> and Boston. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, just right there, right there where you need it in the middle. It's kind of plus like it's there's a lot of there's a lot of ports near there. So like if you're bringing yep. in contraband stuff, it's a good it's a good spot. Yeah, uh, dude, I fucking I was there last time I was doing a winery in in uh, in Cranston, mm-hmm. and I've done that place a couple times. Pretty cool. We had some listeners come out uh, that they live in Massachusetts. They're the ones that uh, always give us some bud. Those guys, they came out and met us in uh, Rhode Island. But there was one time I just had to tell these guys like, "Hey, we're about to do a show, so if you have a ticket, you got to leave." And I was like, and I was super nice about it. And on the way out, the guy's like, "Yeah, well, I guess we got to fucking leave." And the guy like lunged at me a little bit. I was like, "Dude, I don't." <laughs> I don't give a shit, man. Sorry. I don't know what to tell you. So, yeah. yeah. That's like the vibe out there. But so she met, so she marries David Rossi. And a lot of his younger life, like his story about his younger life, comes from his stepdad. Uh, his stepdad, David, as he said, computer whiz, math whiz. He said Nick was smart, but he knew it. And he used it to fuck with people. Mm. I know kids aren't naturally bad, but the stories you hear about this guy, it seems like he's just one of those kids, like, he, he didn't come from a good, good environment, and he was very smart. And yeah. he... Learned real quick to flip it around and weaponize it. Yeah. And I, I you know, I, I spent my early twenties in Hartford. And so I know like those like 
East Coast guys, you know, you're like, dude's in general, but like to be tough. And I can imagine him not being that tough of a guy, but taking what he knew and being tough about it. Yeah. Because he was known as a computer whiz. So he would say things like, I'll get on my computer and ruin your life in five minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and, and like some like neighborhood tough is like, I don't fucking know, dude. And don't don't computer me, dude. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, don't want computer that, you know? me. <laughs> so he said uh, th- th- his stepdad, according to his stepdad, David, he said that he would hit his mom. He would hit other kids. He was always he was like he would swing at him. He said one day. Uh, he was like, woke up before school and decided to start you know, like like hitting his mom. So the, the dude he's getting interviewed by Dateline and this thing. The, the guy goes, "Dude, so I don't care. I, you know what I did? He wasn't ready for school yet. He's still in his underwear. I picked him up in his underwear. I put him on the school bus. <laughs> like, so this school is, in his underwear. This which... is before this guy's in foster care, right? Yes, this is his okay. early. At this time, this is like, it's actually a little crazy how young it is because I heard all these stories and then I checked the dates and I was like, shit, man, all this happens from like seven to ten. Damn, yeah. Which is like not, not, yeah, not a good environment. So, but this this David guy said that he would ruin every Thanksgiving, every Christmas. He goes, quote, he was wicked. He was a devil spawn. <laughs> so they institutionalized him and he said he got kicked out of there. Finally, they went on a family trip to Disney World, and at that trip, uh, Nicholas attacked his mom, uh, and David just, you know, the stepdad, lost his mind, and as he told the Dateline reporter, that he beat the hell out of him and put him in the hospital. God Which, damn. Yeah, don't beat up a kid. Don't do it. There's that little small part of my brain, though, that is just like, yeah, I'll smack that motherfucker. You know, but that's not correct. Don't do that. And the lady don't calls him out on mom. it. Don't beat up your mom. Don't beat up a kid yeah. that's beating up its mom. Just don't, yeah, don't do a lot it. Of yeah. things you shouldn't do in this story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so at this point, the, the stepdad leaves, which I guess if you're going to leave, it might as well be when you hospitalize the kid. Yeah, it's probably <laughs> time to go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Nick goes into foster care. And so at this point, he's still getting in a lot of trouble, very troubled life. They find out that like he gets in trouble at one point, and a judge is like, hey, why don't we put you in like a program? Because he liked going to the courthouse. He liked like the process. And they're like, well, how about we enroll <laughs> Even him if in he page? was on fucking trial because he's a little criminal. Yeah, 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 he's yeah, like, yeah. I love going to the courthouse. <laughs> you know, this is pretty cool, though. I like this. You know, <laughs> like I got a little pitcher of water. This is nice. <laughs> so basically, they were like, they were like, okay, well, how about we put him in like the page program at mm-hmm. the Capitol building, at the State House? And so he goes in there, and it's like one of those things where like a kid discovers the thing he loves. Yeah, you know, like when Bill, when Bill Gates gets his first computer, he gets in there and he's like, "Oh shit, I love this lifestyle." Well, it makes sense for a kid who is used to using his intelligence to wield power over other people that he'd be like, yeah. "Politics, <laughs> this is my shit." Yeah. <laughs> it's so crazy. Yeah, it is nuts <laughs> that they like this. This is like sending Anakin to Jedi training. Like, yeah, just like, don't do yep. that. <laughs> So they put him in there, and he and he takes to it like a fish to water. He loves reading the bills. He's he's a policy wonk. Yeah. <laughs> at like at like thirteen years old, he'll re- they said he would read bills front to back. They said he had more knowledge and like intimate understanding of the bills than a lot of the politicians did because they don't ever read them, and he right. would. And the, you know those little kids, sponge brain. You just you know, you absorb everything. Mm-hmm. So he, he gets really close with a lot of figures. One of them was a representative with the last name Coogan. Uh, and he, he would just call him Rep. He called him Rep because he was representative of Coogan. Aww. So, um, yeah, Rep Coogan was like, yeah, I like the kid. At one point, he was getting close to aging out of the foster care system. So he calls Coogan and was like, hey, man, you got to adopt me or I'm going to go back into these fo- into like these like foster homes. Or I'm going to age out of the system. I know where to go. And 
I've been getting abused. I've been getting hit. I've been getting beat. And so Coogan is like, all right. So he goes to the judge. And the judge is like, what did he tell you? He's like, he's getting kid, he's getting beat, assaulted. The kid's got marks on him. And he's like, look, man, I can't show you his file because he's a minor. But everything you're saying that he's doing, he's or that it's getting done to him, he's doing to other kids. Mm, mm-hmm. And so Coogan was like, Pretty sure you're not allowed to tell anyone that, but also, like, I get why he was like, dude, do not adopt this child. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's like problem child. It's like, hey, if you can, just let Michael Richards kidnap this kid. Yeah. (laughs) Don't actually adopt him. So Coogan calls foster care. They, They tell him all that shit. So eventually the kid does age out of the system. And he finds himself in Dayton, Ohio, uh, around college age. And he gets he gets adopted by an elderly Ohio couple or an older Ohio couple. And he starts going to a community college, Sinclair Community College in Dayton, Ohio. And he gets there. And this is where we're going to get into, like, the, um, some of the crimes that he's wanted for. And this is, you know, this is a uh, where he was assaulting women. Mm-hmm. So he meets he meets a girl through MySpace, a girl named Mary Grabinski. Um, he, they decided to meet in a public place and they were like, she was like, yo, he's very charming. He was nice. He's a great listener. He just said he was new to the area and wanted to meet people. We talked for about 30 minutes. Me and my friends, we had a really good time with him. And then he said, Hey, can I walk you to your class? And she was like, yeah, sure. Her class is in a basement. She said, as soon as he got her in the basement, he started making moves on her. It got very violent. Uh, we'll get into details if you want to. It's out there, like her testimony is out there, but it got very violent. She was able to fight him off before he, you know, successfully achieved anything. Goes to class, gets out of class, and he's back outside. Oh and he's God. like, "Hey, don't call the cops, please don't call the cops." Da da da. And she's like, "No," because the way you did that, she said it seemed very ritualistic, and I was not the first person you've done that to. Right. Like so it she was, like you, yeah. This yeah, is- and, and she said she was like, but I wanted to be the last. And so, you know, get him, girl. Good for her. And so she, she, yeah, she goes to the authorities, and he, you know, and at, as this is happening, another woman in Ohio comes forward and was like, yeah, he sexually assaulted me as well. Yeah. So he's got two of those on the table. So he goes to he goes to court. Uh, he cl- tries to claim that she was the aggressor, and this girl was ninety pounds at the time. Yeah. And the judge was like, uh, no, not at all, but. What he did do was he showed up. The judge ruled against him, but he showed up to the case in a three-piece suit with a cane. And Mary Grabinski was like, I firmly believe that affected his sentencing because they didn't give him any jail time. Wow, uh, yeah. They gave him, they, yeah. They were like, they gave he him a looks so sharp. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on. He puts himself together nice, you know? I'd be so like they, 18-year-old with a three-piece suit and a cane. That's a weirdo. Throw the book yeah. at him. <laughs> That's a freak. Get him out of here. Yeah, dude. Oh, yeah. Don't, don't, don't do that. Yeah, this kid <laughs> he has a fucking pocket square. He's 18 yeah, years get old. Him no, out. no, thank you. That's a pervert. That's someone. Yeah. <laughs> no, thanks. Yeah, you're giving off real British vibes. We covered that up top, you know? <laughs> so he did have to go to a sex offender rehab program. He had to register as a sex offender for 15 years, and he had to pay a fine, mm-hmm. but no jail time. So he, in turn, and this is like, I'm going to get into these details because they are important. But he flips it and starts like a personal attack campaign against her. Mm-hmm. Um, he makes a fake MySpace page in her name and then makes a post as her confessing that it was all consensual. And she only said that because she had a boyfriend and she she wanted to conceal her undying love for him. Oh Not her God. boyfriend, but for him. Yeah, like conceal yeah, yeah. her undying love for Nicholas from Ugh. her boyfriend. So she... 
Yeah, and it was just very gross stuff. So he counters Suzer, and it says he has new information with this Facebook post or this MySpace post. The judge calls the case back in, hears the evidence, immediately throws it out, charges him, or makes him pay for her legal fees. Sure. Like, so they see right through his bullshit. But he launches his campaign against her, her and her husband, harassing them online. He also starts to become a voice on incel boards. And yep. like men's rights. Yeah, he was like a leading poster on a men's rights activist board called A Voice for Men. Oh, Finally, God. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> for too long. I we feel haven't like had I could podcasts. have seen this coming when his his um the way he tried to deal with this court case was to say that the woman was the aggressor. It was like, yeah, yeah. this is this is insult shit. That's what this is. Yeah. This Even is when he slips into his truly hates women. Yeah. Yep. Even when he slips into his little Edwin Cobblepot fucking fake British mode that we're seeing <laughs> later, uh, when, when, even when he's doing that, he's like, "I was accused of rape. It can happen to anyone." Yeah, I said that voice because yeah, yeah. he has he has COVID, but yeah, it could happen <laughs> to anyone. Like the the risk isn't that you could get assaulted. Right. The risk is that you could get accused of assault. Mm-hmm. And it's like, what kind of fucking backwards incel logic is that exactly? So. And so this is what he does. So he, he starts like an online campaign against her and her husband. He sues her again in 2012 because uh, her husband called him crazy on a website. Okay. And so a defamation of care. All of these things get thrown out. Yeah. But, but he keeps bothering it gives, them. It's it gives a, you an idea of the tenacity. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's 2015. Uh, he shows. So he, he leaves Ohio at this point. And then he goes back to Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. And while he's in Rhode Island, that was when he becomes a voice for foster care reform. Okay. He talks about how he was uh, – Rhode Island had a, poly, had a, had a uh, program where they would outsource their foster children to the surrounding states because it's such a small state. Yeah. And they would go stay in houses in Connecticut or, Rhode Island, or, or Massachusetts. And that, you know – the more places you're shuffling kids off to, the more chances they're going to get abused. Yeah. And he was like, I was abused. He said, I was assaulted daily and all this crazy shit. So he fought to end that um, that cost-saving measure to outsource their foster care to other households in other states. Mm-hmm. And so that was like a big campaign that he went on. And he really made a name for himself because they were like, oh, this was this kid, this troubled kid that came in here into the page program. Right. And now he's back. He's in a three-piece suit. He wears bow ties. He wears, like, uh, in our last episode we just recorded, we talked about people who enjoy the finer things. That was what he projected, a very sophisticated air. Yeah. Uh, and the kind like, of guy who would, I get who would why... say play Beethoven at my funeral. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I get why the people – involved in this in like Rhode Island politics wanted to see the best in this guy. Cause it's like, it's not, not, it's a confirmation of not only like, look at it. Obviously it's a hopeful confirmation that like people can rise above their circumstances, but it's also like, look, look what a positive influence we are. And, (laughs) and even, and even beyond that, like, even though he's fighting for foster care reform, it's like, um, did okay. I freeze for you too? Yeah, you freeze for me too. Okay. Or froze um, for me too. I don't know. We can just uh, we can just keep going. Yeah. But yeah, that's it. It, make, it makes them look good. It's like, hey, this this guy came came up around us. Now he's doing great. It, it's right. good for everybody. If he's telling the truth, that's a win 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 win. You know, every, yeah. everybody benefits off his story. So he does leave um, uh, Rhode Island politics and shows back up in Dayton. Okay. In Dayton, Ohio, where he, where he is the adopted son of this couple. So 
he starts getting there. And he starts getting involved in local politics, and you know, like like you know, I, I was like compared Dayton to Providence, Rhode Island. He seems like he's coming from the big leagues. You know, he's like mm-hmm. when a like a, a, a an established comic moves to a small scene. Like he's fucking, he's running things. He goes there. He's wowing people at city hall meetings, and he starts a nonprofit called the Community Progress Institute, and his goal is to spice up Dayton, beautify downtown. You know, we're gonna we're gonna make things good again. I'm gonna you know. Win one for the community. So he starts attending church, and he meets a woman named Catherine Heckendorn. So Kevin and Catherine Heckendorn meet. They start a, they start a courtship, and she's impressed with him. She's like, "Dude, he was." And also, I think he, he has like a, you know, a Rhode Island accent. And there's something about East Coast accent that I think sound authoritative to people like in the South and the Midwest. Not authoritative, but it sounds wise. It it's sounds appealing. like this guy knows what he's talking about. It's appealing. Yeah, it's like yeah. this guy's snappy. He's smart. He, you know, like, like he thinks quick. I think it makes you seem intelligent. People, you know? people from the Northeast talk fast, and I think uh, yeah. either if you're not like people are either very repelled by that or they think it makes you seem smart. <laughs> yeah, it's one or the other. Ben Shapiro, not from the Northeast, but Ben Shapiro talks fast, and that's <laughs> that's all. Yeah, you know, that's the only thing he has, and he's fooled millions. So yeah. um, he shows up. He meets Catherine Heckendorn at church. Catherine said she had just got out of an abusive relationship, and she was like, oh, this is a church guy. So she takes him out. Uh, they start talking. Um, then he does, again, how he said he hits the check marks for every one of our guys. He starts lying about going to Harvard. He's like, yeah, I'm a Harvard grad. He did take one class on the online Harvard thing, like that's which the, we talked about. That, yeah. like, <laughs> the, the online Harvard thing that exists specifically so people can lie about going to Harvard. It's, yep. Yeah. They're just and making so, yeah, he, their money that way. It's pretty wild. Yeah. <laughs> Insane. He says he does that. Uh, eventually, one day they're just watching TV and he proposes to her. And she's like, I don't know. This is kind of quick, but he's persistent about it. And she was like, you know what? This is a good guy. I met him in church. He has his nonprofit. He's beautifying the community. Do we she agrees know to marry him. if she knows that he's on the sex offender registry at this point? Or do we no, because that comes up. That okay. does come up. So she does not so, yeah, know th- at this point. No, she does not. Google so she marries the him. people you're about yeah, to marry, yeah. folks. <laughs> not saying you have to Google a first date, but if you're about to marry him, give him a quick Google. Yeah. Yeah. So she, uh, so she fucking she agrees. And then almost immediately sees a personality change in him. He goes mm-hmm. from being very nice to very charming. Every woman that he uh, that are his victims, they've talked about. It. They were like, he was a great listener. Yep. He was kind. It was like one of those people that you know, the dirty Mac, and where you just find out you're like, oh, if I'm a nice guy, I could be a piece of shit. Like this is what I I've always said. Marriage is the equivalent of bringing a woman down into a basement. That is <laughs> yeah. the. Emotional. When you see the the change in a man, it's the same shit. It's how they'd treat yeah, you if they yeah. had you alone in a basement. So like, be careful. Yeah. No. That, that I. That's not. That's not faulty logic, girl. <laughs> <laughs> so he gets there, and eventually he finds out that she has a savings account. Oh boy. And yeah, and he says, "Look, the the what the hell was that vapid name?" The Community Progress Institute. Look, the CPI is gonna fail if if I don't get some cash. So that's his into that's it. his Dayton beautifying organization. Yeah. the community. Yeah, beautified Dayton. Okay. Yeah, it's like yeah, yeah beautified Dayton. I am going to put a flower hat on this drunk guy. It's like now, <laughs> now downtown Dayton looks way much way better. <laughs> I've never been to Dayton, Ohio. I assume it's beautiful. Shout out Dayton. But uh, 
So yeah, he gets there. So he asked her for ten grand, and over time, ten grand turns into fifty-five thousand dollars. And and at this point, he is being abusive. She's trying to call the police, not just like trying emotionally, physically trying to call the police. Yeah. And like he's he's like physically stopping her from doing it. Yeah. And then doing, I I can imagine doing one of these things like holding her in one place, like you're not no, don't do that, don't do that. Talking her down, just horrible abusive shit. He's doing that. One day, she decides she's going to record it. Mm-hmm. So she records it on the phone, and he does not disappoint. He completely delivers, um, gives what seems to be the performance of a lifetime as far as abuse goes. Like Everything you would want if you're trying to frame, not frame, but if you're trying to prove somebody's being abusive, yeah. he gave her everything on that tape. And she goes to the police. They're like, they arrest, they arrest him. They run his shit, and they're just like, yo, he's on the sex offender list. Oh, shit. And she was like, I didn't know that. Yeah. And she said one of the, one of the officers was like, ma'am, I drive by this house every day on my beat. I'm I'm scared to my bones right now that I'm going to drive by one day and you're going to be dead. He's like, oh I, I really God. think that's, what, yeah. that's, that's what's going on here. Yeah. So she decides she's going to flee. So she just leaves, doesn't even take her dogs. She just has mm. five seconds to herself. Yeah, yeah. Runs in the car, hops out, drives off. He, through GPS tracking on the phone, realizes that she's left. Mm-hmm. Engages in a high speed chase. She flies through a stop sign, head on collision somebody, getting away from this guy. He flees the scene into a high speed collision with another car. He watches it, and at this point, we know he doesn't care about her. But it's just, it's just shitty to think that he saw his wife get into an accident, and he was like, "Ooh!" And he just got the hell out of there. So he drives away. Um, mm-hmm. At this point. Like she's like, okay, we're done. Her family helps her get out of there. That she wants to divorce him, but he started wearing disguises to avoid his subpoenas. <laughs> so he'd be like walking around town with like wigs, and the, the officers would be like, "Man, like the process servers, like they have to identify him." But like we know that, that that's him. We know that that's a guy. We we saw him wearing a wig by yeah. his nonprofit or shit like that. <laughs> like so. At this time, it comes out from his Ohio foster parents, the the elderly couple that adopted him, who went to the same church as his wife, Catherine. Mm -hmm. So she knows these people. He had taken out 10 credit cards in their name uh, to the tune of $200,000. And they were just like working class Dayton, Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. I just like, I don't know, for some reason, like stealing $200,000 from someone is bad regardless in credit. But somehow 10 credit cards is like worse because then you have to like call all the different credit card companies (laughs) and like deal with all the different credit cards. For some reason, that's like more... That's like a worse crime to me than like one credit yeah, card. Yeah, dude. <laughs> Making 10 customer service phone calls. You got to yeah. hear a combined like seven hours of hold Ugh. music. So annoying. Oh, that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> so he he has that going on. So since he got a domestic violence charge while registered as a sex offender, he got a visit from the cops. Yeah. So he gets a visit from the cops, but he's not at his address. And so they're like, all right, well, this dude, they put him on the Rhode Island most wanted list. Mm-hmm. Um, although I'm not sure why it happened because it, it was based out of Ohio, but the in the charge, again, I don't know, but he was put on the Rhode Island most wanted list. So he calls them saying, hey, what the hell am I on the Rhode Island most wanted list for? They're like, failure to register as a sex offender. He berates this guy like, you don't know the laws of Rhode Island and talks down to him. But it turns out he was right. If you leave the country, you don't have to register as a sex offender anymore. Wait, so because the country? 
Yeah, he moved to Scotland. They couldn't find him. After that after that thing happened in Ohio, he fled to Scotland. Okay. Bought a one-way ticket. And so because he left and went to another country, he didn't have to register as a sex offender anymore. And he was actually right. Like yeah. it wasn't like like it wasn't like one of those shithouse lawyer things. They were like, Yeah, no, he's correct. However, he was still wanted for the fraud charge. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like he was off the hook. He was off the hook for failure to register as a sex offender, but he was right, still Right, but he's wanted. still a domestic abuser and a thief. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and a thief, yes. Also, as this is happening, another case comes out in Utah from 2008. I don't know how he went to, from Ohio to Utah yeah, in 2008. just traveling across the country beating the shit out of people. <laughs> yeah, 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 just, yeah, just like a cross-country assaulter. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, he was in, in Utah. There was a a guy named David Levitt. And David Levitt was the uh, was the district attorney, and he found out that the Utah that the town that he lived in in Utah was holding on to old rape kits from mm-hmm. investigations and hadn't investigated any of them. Mm-hmm. So he finds out about this and he's like, "This is unacceptable. Let's get these things investigated." And they find one match out of all of those, and that match is for Nicholas Rossi. Yep. So, Nicholas Rossi. It was somehow Utah found the time of- to go to Utah and somehow a found crime. T- yeah, somehow yeah. in all of his important political advocacy. Yeah, yeah, advocating for children. He found out how to get to Utah and, and assault <laughs> women. So, apparently, what happened with that was he met a woman in Utah. He started a consensual sexual relationship with her, and then started borrowing sums of money from her. Mm-hmm. When she realized the money wasn't coming back, she went to his house to met to. to you know, uh, to, to confront her about the money, and he has, he assaulted her there at the apartment, mm-hmm. and so that so they, they 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 saw similarities in that case to the initial Grabinski case because he met her on MySpace. Same mm-hmm. way he did that girl was like, hey, I'm new in the area, so I want to yeah. make new friends. Same way he met her, except he just kept the con up for longer. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though multiple U.S. states and two countries were looking for Nicholas Oliverdian, like I said, he's a computer savvy guy. Nick had successfully given him the slip by using dummy IP numbers for all his online activity. Mm. But that's a hard act to keep up. And eventually, when he got, he, while living in Scotland with his new wife, uh, this is Lu- uh, Louise at this point. Who I'm um, assuming also didn't know any of this backstory. Probably thought he went to Harvard. <laughs> well, we're gonna we're gonna get into that because remember okay. there, was, there was the there was the the widow who released the statement was Louise. Okay, and so that's true. Find... She helped him fake the death. Okay, I forgot. Yeah, yeah, she helped fake the death. Well, they find him living in Scotland, and uh, and because and at this point they find they find an address uh, associated with his IP address. They find a mm-hmm. physical address. They go there, and he's there with. Uh, there's a woman there named Miranda, and they said we're looking for your husband. And she's like, "Well, my husband isn't here. He's a, in in a hospital right now, uh, in a medically induced coma, battling COVID on a respirator. But he's not an American named Nicholas Oliverdi, and he is a British man named Arthur Knight." Okay. And they were like, "Okay, well, we got to go see him." Yeah. So they go there, and basically, yeah, basically, it was a like right when he woke up from his medically induced coma. Oh no. Uh, yeah, He's they like, arrived. Put me back in the medically induced yeah, yeah, coma, yeah, yeah, please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they arrive. They check his tattoos, his fingerprints, and his mugshots to Nicholas Oliverdian, and that they were provided to them by. US I didn't law realize there were tattoos and fingerprints. There's involved. tattoos. Like, all right, man, yeah. the jig is so the, fucking up, yeah, dude. Yeah. You would think so, Kath, and that's because <laughs> you're not a dreamer. Yeah, <laughs> you don't. You don't have the mind for creation that Nicholas <laughs> Oliverdian has. So 
he they, they they arrest him, but he insists that no, I I'm Arthur Knight. I'm a I'm a British businessman, uh, and they were like, so is he I don't doing know what... the accent? Yes. Okay. Perfect. Now here's what he Very here's what important. he has going for him. Yeah, here's what he has going for him. He's recovering from COVID, so he has the oxygen mask that yeah. covers the face, but he also talks like this. How could I? do this thing yeah it is very My, easy. he's like michael kane <laughs> yeah 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 it is very easy to fake an accent if you're talking like this right and no one can hear you there's so much you don't have to account for in the way yeah. that your voice inflects inflects and rises you know so much so there was a scottish investigator who was producing a podcast about because now at this point is broke that there's possibly an american living under assumed identity in scotland mm-hmm. and it's like hitting like true crime circles right and there and are so only Scot- like 20 people there so they're like we gotta yeah yeah figure this out. <laughs> yeah yeah something happened that didn't involve sheep and they're like hold on look into <laughs> this it's not sheep or heroin it's gonna make the news <laughs> so she looks into this and she meets up with arthur and his wife and at this point he's married Arthur so Oliverian was married to a woman named Louise. Yeah. Uh, Arthur McKnight is married to a woman named Miranda. Oh, okay. So totally different. Yeah. <laughs> totally different. People. Yeah. You see, because how can they be the same person when one is named Louise, right, and another is named Miranda? I, I don't course. see. Yeah, Clark Kent has glasses. I mean, we've been through <laughs> this. <laughs> so, a Scottish producer investigating a podcast about the affair. Met with Arthur's wife Miranda for for dinner one evening at their flat. She said Arthur was wheelchair bound but dressed to the nines. And after a few hours, she asked to see his arms to verify the tattoos, and she claimed she saw none. So, Derma we'll Blend, like baby, one, there's yeah, makeup for we'll that. Yeah, yeah. She said she checked to see if it was makeup, but there's a thought that he might have just used pink paint. Okay. He's say like makeup will rub, but paint will you know kind of like. Also, there's ways to get makeup not to rub. Like there, yeah. Also, I don't. Yeah, there's shit I don't fucking know. Yeah, <laughs> you can you can set that shit with powder. You can you can put like spirit gum over. Like there are things you can do. You could use like yeah. liquid latex. Like there's all kinds of. I mean, unless okay. she was like really going at it. Yeah. I, I yeah. think that it could easily be makeup, but he's like, anyway. "Oh, oh, calm down with the rubbing. You're gonna make something happen here." <laughs> yeah. Also, I have no tattoos, so if shit hits the fan. I got, I got a fighting chance. You know, like I, I got a fighting <laughs> chance to live as you know Paul Siwa and fucking come back until everything comes crashing down. So, so she said she was there. She said she saw none. So now Dateline, and by the way, I don't talk about it on the show. I love Dateline. That is one of my favorite media institutions. <laughs> I love every I, I I listen to so much Dateline podcasts on the road that like I just know all of their voices. I love Aww. Keith Morrison. <laughs> Keith Morrison is the is the white Morgan Freeman. He has the best voice. <laughs> and he's also the horniest voice in broadcasting. Like I heard like because he'll be like, he'll be like, it was a small town day, and that afternoon in the cafe, a new girl in town, the accountant, so and so, short brown hair, long legs, youthful looking. It's like okay, Keith, settle down, <laughs> Keith, back on Always. track. Yeah, yeah, back on track. Like, dude, he's like literally been talking to people. He's like, so what was the appeal? I mean, was, how did she catch all these men? Was she good in bed? I heard him ask that before. <laughs> Jesus. I, I love Keith Morrison so much. Also, <laughs> that is he's Matthew Perry's stepdad. Huh. 
I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. I know, what a world. Man, I hope when Matthew Perry was at his lowest, he just judged him. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, you're going to drag the name of the fine Keanu Reeves in your book, sir. You know, just, I, I hope he's the worst stepdad to Matthew <laughs> Perry. Anyways. So Dateline, uh, did a, they, they, they reported on this for years. They were on this story before it had an ending. They were yeah. just like, let's see how this, like, they, they were like, we're going to see how this, this rides out. This broke in 2020 sometime. That was when the, yeah, the initial, that, yeah, it was in 2021, I think, was when the, like, okay, the doubt so started popping up. In 2020, people thought he died. And then in 2021, yes. they found out he was still alive and in the hospital with COVID. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then and there was time and apparently the court systems move slow in Scotland, especially when it comes to extradition, which we'll get into in a little yeah. bit for reasons that are honorable to Scotland. And I'll bring those up in a little bit. <laughs> so Dateline gets an interview and they start talking to the guy. And they're like, okay, so if you're not Nicholas Oliverdian, who are you? And this is what this Charles Dickens motherfucker came up with. <laughs> he goes, he said he started off as an orphan in Ireland. Sure. And, uh, and, oh, damn it. I don't want to be unprofessional and be like, baby, what was that Irish movie you were talking about? What's the Irish orphan movie? Angela's so Ashes? Choice. Angela's Ashes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Sid made a joke. She's like, what kind of Angela's Ashes bullshit is this? <laughs> <laughs> so he was an orphan in Ireland. Then he said he lived in Dublin and Belfast. He moved to London where he worked uh, public relations for a wireless firm. He By said the way, you know what all this all establishes, too, is an inconsistent accent. Because he's yes. from Ireland, he lives in Scotland, he lived in England, so it's like yeah. just sort of vaguely United Kingdom, you know. Yeah, yeah. Another victim of his that we'll get to in a second says that he he was uh, using a, a British accent with Irish phrases, mm. and she was like, "That doesn't make any sense. Like you would someone with that accent wouldn't say that." Wouldn't say that. But he yeah. said he goes, "Oh, well, at the time I'm living now with my wife in Ireland," and they're like, yeah. oh, "Okay, well maybe he picked it up." Like, but people did catch on to that because that's a big part of their national identity is the regional accents. Yeah. And the common person is pretty well versed on them over there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, I guess I guess it's anywhere. It's like I, you, you can tell you can tell what part of the country people are from if you live there. You know. Yeah. So. He, yeah, he said he met her at a uh, – he, he worked at PR for a wireless firm. And then he met her at – he met Miranda in 2011 at an art museum. But they were both in relationships at the time. But they still exchanged info. Uh, and they started as friends. And they bumped back into each other several years later and became romantically involved. They got married in February of 2020. Oh, the same, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Which I must acknowledge is a coincidence. <laughs> but he got married in – February 2020, the same month Nicholas died, and they said they were on their honeymoon when he died. Two years later, Arthur gets, or yeah, two years later, Arthur gets COVID, and he's in a medically induced coma on a ventilator. They told him he wouldn't make it. Wakes up three months later, cops show up. Now, at this point, they tell, before they disclose all- Does he say, like, because you say, oh, he was on his honeymoon when he died. He, He maintains that he doesn't even know this person right yeah none of this makes any sense okay yeah this is the wildest mix-up i was just a regular dude and the crosshairs of the universe fell right on my forehead okay so he says the the cops get there and they said hey do you want your wife to leave the room because like we're about to talk about some pretty serious allegations and this is your wife you don't want her no where i go my wife goes and she can come and she can listen to this and so they're like all right well you're nicholas oliverdian and you are wanted for rape and fraud in america 
And, uh, and the woman, Miranda was like, no, there's no way my husband can rape anyone. He's a gentle soul. He's like, I never did this. So all this is going on. So when this story breaks in the news over there, another woman comes forward. And she is a little bit of a public figure. She has a show on the on A&E. It's called uh, Nafsika Plants Only by Nafsika, I believe. Basically, her name's Nafsika Antipas. She is a Indian-Canadian woman who lives in Mo- in Montreal, and she has a vegan cheese company called Plant Based. Okay. And she was like, "Yo, I know this guy." When the interviews started coming out, she's like, "I know this dude. I hired him in 2020 to, to provide PR for my vegan cheese company." Uh, <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> Except, what does this and, guy and, not have his like fingerprints on? He does. It's, yeah, he does everything. What yeah. a varied career of being a piece of shit. I'm gonna fix so he, Dayton. I'm gonna fix the foster care yeah, yeah, system yeah. in Rhode Island. I'm gonna promote your vegan cheese. Like, what yeah, a, just, what a it hands and everything, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so she was like, "Yeah, I met him on like a like a Fiverr type website, but for like mm-hmm. a little more serious employment." And she was looking for somebody to do PR. And she hired a guy who she thought was named Timothy Arthur Nicholas Knight Brown okay, uh, to, prov- to provide PR for her vegan cheese company. He struck her along for four months, uh, pocketing seven grand a month was his, oh, was his salary. We got to yeah. get into PR. That's a good yeah. <laughs> And so, so he... he then she's like, she's hitting, he's hitting her up, and every time she's like, "Where's the work at? Yeah. Where's where's the work? Where, where where's my where's my PR? I don't know, I don't know what that substantiates as, <laughs> but like you know, where's my public relations?" And he'd be like, "Oh, my wife is in the hospital. Now I'm in the hospital. Now my dog is in the hospital." He would send her a picture of her of his dog, and she was like, "I think he wanted me to think the dog looks sick, <laughs> but it, it just looked like it was just a dog. Like the dog was just like." <laughs> like there was no, she she was like I still don't quite understand why he was doing that. Yeah. So then he said, "Hey, I got I'm actually starting another company, and I think you'd want to get in on this." And Nafsika, at this point, I think you should have known better, girl. But you know, whatever. He goes, I, "I want you to get in on this." She invested a little bit more money. It's undisclosed, but I think it's around five grand because she said in four months she gave him forty thousand. And so this reminds me, so, her going in on a company with him reminds me of when I had this really terrible roommate right when I moved to Austin, and uh, she found a a really nice house with really cheap rent and convinced me to move with her there. And uh, when she had already been like fighting with her boyfriend at four a.m. like for months, uh, and I was like. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's do it. I think I lasted like two months and I was fucking yeah. out. Yeah. So I, yeah, I feel yeah. you, girl. I feel you. I know what happens. You get sucked in. You get sucked yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, she gave him. She gave. She said she gave him forty thousand over four months. Uh, so actually, no, it would be twelve grand. Would because like yeah, seven. Yeah, sometimes four is twenty eight. She said she gave him forty k. So maybe she invested twelve grand in this business, or maybe there's other expenses. I don't quite know, but. She gave that, and he goes, yeah, all I need is a copy of your passport. <laughs> and she gave him a copy of her passport, which, Nafsika, you have four seasons of a show at A&E. You clearly have a very successful vegan cheese company. Yeah. I think you would know better. Don't do this. But then again, you know, we're, we're not a victim-blaming I, podcast, I see, so I understand. I say that, but, like, I've done so many, like, comedy gigs where they've asked me for a copy of my passport, and I've just given it to them. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I fill out a W-9 yeah. and send an atta- email attachment with a picture of my passport, like, probably <laughs> once a month. 
So, yeah. you know. I've, like, I've given my, my social security number to a comedy promoter in Edinburgh, Texas. You know yeah, I mean? exactly. <laughs> so, like, can we judge? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I <laughs> yeah, cannot. Cannot. So, she gives him all this money. And then, like, and then eventually he just stops doing fucking work for her. And she's like, okay, I don't like this. And she blocks him on all the, like, the, the accessibility platforms. Yeah. Uh, that they use to work in the company. He calls pissed. He's like, oh, God damn it, no secret. <laughs> like, how dare you? And just yells at her. And she's like, no, you're not getting anything work done. any work done for me. He goes, okay, well, on deck, waiting for all this, I've already had an entire negative online PR campaign. Right. All I got to do is go is go live on these websites. Yep. So you better cut me some fucking money or all this is going live. And to her Going's credit, she was like, yeah. Yeah, she's like, fucking is just do it. Positive blackmail, really. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> if you have, P- if you have, Damn. if you have internet cyberbullying skills, you have PR skills. It's the yeah, same. Yeah. It's say the opposite of what you would have said. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> so she was like, "All right." So he 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 makes it. She was like, "Nope, you're done. I'm, I'm done with you." He makes it all go live. It's a website that comes across as a fraud alert website, but it's completely it's it's not yeah. official. And it has her passport photo made to look like a mugshot. Nice. Yeah, like she, and it has it contains the line. I don't know where I didn't see the website, and somewhere in there it goes plant based, more like plant faced. Oh, yeah. got guess. her ass, dude. She <laughs> melted like vegan cheese, dude. She yep. was like, no, like. And then he started an online smear campaign and say that her cheese was not vegan. And <laughs> I love I love vegan food. I enjoy a lot of it. I have a lot of homies that are very talented vegan chefs. But I think if you wanted to smear a vegan cheese platform, you'd be like, yeah, I ate her cheese. It was delicious. And they're like, oh, no, yeah. it's not real. Something's <laughs> wrong. Yeah, I ate it and I liked it. So something's up. Yeah. <laughs> so... No, I'll, I'll shout out to Plow Burger, fucking great vegan burger website, and shout out to Fast Ronald. Uh, RJ is a, a comedian and vegan food chef that I go way back with, and he's very talented. If you're in Austin, check him out. So, that being said, so at this point, he's he's got a lot of negative press. He's exposed in the media. The British reporters are just fucking with him. They're like running around, like running after him on the street. Like and he he has he's in his little wheelchair. He has his head down. And they're like telling him stuff like, "Hey, say this word, <laughs> like, say, <laughs> say this thing." Because yeah, like, we, we know you're not. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, there's something. There's something that's so like detached and uncaringly funny about the British populace. Uh, like Bill Burr has that story where he was over there and he was trying to to make a joke where he said somebody's the Michael Jordan of this thing, but he goes, "I don't know who, who who's y'all's Michael Jordan." And one guy yells out a name, and he goes, "Okay." And the rest of the time, he keeps calling back to that Michael Jordan bit. But saying that name, and he just stops. He goes, "I've heard these laughs before. You're not laughing with me. You're laughing yeah, at me. What's yeah, going yeah. on?" <laughs> and like some guy was like, "Oh, we told you like the worst player in the fucking league," That's and the great. whole audience just went along with it and let Bill Burr <laughs> flounder on stage for an hour. So I feel like the yeah the British public is good with shit like that. Like, yeah. <laughs> so the, he calls another another fucking um, another press conference. And he introduces his new attorney, Craig Johnson. Now, Craig Johnson used to work in the office of David Levitt, who was the DA from Utah, who was pursuing Nicholas for rape charges. Okay. And so he flies this guy out to Scotland to be his representative. And he's like, this man is being slandered. My former boss is out for blood. He's trying mm-hmm. to drag his name. 
there's no real exp- explanation for why this random uh, lawyer from Utah is so eager to work with this guy. I think, my own theory, possible incel connect. Because mm. why else would you fly 24 hours to defend a rapist? You know, like, yeah. like if, you were, if you weren't just like, oh, this is the guy who told me that, you know, all rape is fucking, you know, uh, uh, or, or you're more likely to get uh, falsely accused of rape than to be rape or whatever. Right? The case. Yeah, he might be like a false accusation acu- activist <clears throat> or something. Yeah, know, exactly. exactly. So I, that. Forum. Yeah, that, not that's a bad my theory, theory, Pat. Not a bad theory. Yeah. <laughs> so, the attorney said they were like, "So you've seen this guy's face?" He goes, "Yeah, I've seen his face. You seen his tattoos?" He's like, "Yeah, they're not there." And he's like, "I've seen everything. I've seen his birth certificate. I've seen all this shit." What is one more? So Arthur does one more. Arthur does one more interview with uh, Dateline, and, and this is how they play hardball. They're just like, and this is the interview that 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 caught everybody's attention. You have to watch this, and we will share it along with the thing. It is like a Saturday Night Live sketch. <laughs> They're sitting there. He is wearing like a little suit and a top hat because <laughs> he's a British gentleman. Just going full British, yeah. <laughs> yeah, full British. It was like he Googled like British man. He tucks it in was with like, some mushy peas. He's, yeah, yeah. He's eating some foot- kidney pie. He's like going for it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, like he. So he's sitting there, and like at one point, his uh, his wife. So he's like. And he, he talks in his voice like this. And this is his British accent. And it's out of breath. And he goes, they go, what do you say to people who say this is all just an act? And you're just crying crocodile tears. He goes, oh, that's a low blow, Jerry. It's a right low blow. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, people say, I, I'm faking it. I, they say I can really walk. I can't walk. Look at this. Should I, should I go to walk? Should I go to walk? And his wife's like, no, no, honey, no. He goes, uh, uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it is a piece of physical comedy for the fucking ages. And at one point she goes, what about people that say you're just lying? And he starts crying and his wife's like, oh, no, look what you've done now. Now he's crying. And he's like, <laughs> and his little glasses fog up. It's it is it's literally just it's just comedy. It's insane. Watch that video. We will share it with the thing. So, in this interview, he says he has proof that he is not this fucking uh, that he's not this guy. He says, oh, "I just want to go back to being a normal husband." All of this is so crazy, and it's like, "Hey, newsflash: there are no normal husbands, buddy." <laughs> so then he just goes. So he says that he will show his face in the interview. He goes. She goes. Well, can you show it now? He goes. Once I've caught my breath, I'll take this off. And they're like, and he never does it. Of course. They ask, can they see his arms? Yeah, yeah. In a second. It's like in a second. You're in the interview, dog. Where right. are you you're going? Here. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Yeah. That is again a bold move to say the least. But so Miranda said that the couple one day hopes to be done with all this, crack open a bottle of champagne, and get back to their quote normal lives with their beautiful dogs. Uh, since his arrest, three more women have come forward with assault allegations. One of them in the UK. Yeah. So since he's been there, like, yeah. like he's already been back at it. At one point, when he was being discharged from a hospital uh, in his uh, supposedly just beleaguered state, he just hopped up out the chair and got in this lady's face. It was like, "What the fuck? Yeah. You're gonna, you know, he totally he's, broke character." Well, that I mean, look, misogyny will. Power and incel to do miraculous things. So, yeah, he was moved by the spirit of hating women to get out of his wheelchair. This deaf guy who hates women hears sound for the first time. (laughs) (laughs) 
So he hears a woman nagging. That's yeah, the yeah, first yeah. sound he hears. <laughs> yeah, immediately cuts his ears off. He's like, oh, I can't take this. So uh, in all of this, though, he found time to launch an assault on the, U- on the uh, Utah DA that's, like, char- charging him for rape, David Levitt. And he made a website accusing David Levitt of being a satanic human trafficking cult leader Mm. while David Levitt was running for re-election. And David Levitt lost his election. I don't know shit about Utah politics, but David Levitt is like, uh, he's very firm. He's like, he lost me my election. Yeah. I mean, that is in 2023 in a Utah election going satanic pedophile is like all you need. It's it's probably going to work. I did it. I did a show in was it? It was Pocatello, Pocatello's Idaho. Yeah, I was in Pocatello, Idaho, and I walked. Uh, I walked into a bowling alley. Uh, me and our military correspondent Shannon Muggridge, <laughs> and I walked into this bowling alley. There was a girl behind the counter, and I said, "Hey, do y'all close at midnight or 11? And forty-five seconds later, she was saying the sentence. But the vaccine makes you not human. It takes away your human rights. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. What kind of land speed record did you just break? I said, do y'all close at 11? And it was like, no, because of COVID. And then it was just downhill from there. <laughs> and then it was, I was like, the holy races. shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was like, and time. I had to mark it. I was like, that is insane. <laughs> so, yeah, you see, so he, he gets him to, to lose his, uh, his uh, re-election campaign. Well, shout out to David Levitt. Because David Levitt it decides that in his retirement, he is going to buy a castle in Scotland that is 50 miles from where they're housing Nicholas uh, Ol- Oliverdian. And uh, they the locals have come to call it David Levitt's Fuck You Castle. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. Good for him. It was a gavel. So finally, before they could extradite him, they had to have a, a ruling about his, uh, you know, his identity. So they have the ruling. This is back in, uh, this is earlier this year. And they said, okay, well, what about your, you know, what about your, uh, your tattoos? And he says, uh, well, my tattoos were put on my body while I was in a coma at the Glasgow hospital. <laughs> and it was like, they, yeah, they said just like the, 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 the reporter said one of the, or the, 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 the barrister who was prosecuting the prosecutor, they said his face looked like an emoji. He was just like, <laughs> like what do you mean, dog? Like that's. Makes no sense. Finally, they said, well, what about your fingerprints? Your fingerprints match. And he said, no, no, my fingerprints were taken off of me by a nurse and sent to David Levitt in Utah so he could say that those were Nicholas Oliverian's yeah, fingerprints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all a setup. And there was, They're framing yeah, this yeah. random-ass guy <laughs> for some reason. Yeah. And the judge was just like, man, I unequivocally pronounce you Nicholas Oliverdian. Like you are, <laughs> yeah, you are just, you're more Nicholas Oliverdian than any one person has ever been themselves. <laughs> like you're definitely that guy. So he is now waiting on the extradition hearing in, in June. Here's what's going to fucking gum up the works though, is that the UK, Scotland in particular, has much higher standards for prisons than mm. the U.S. does, and it makes extradition a problem because they're like, well, wait a minute, 
we respect human life. We're not just right. going to send somebody to the fucking... We can't extradite someone into a place that's inhumane. Yeah. Yeah, we're, gonna, yeah, we're not going to send them into your fucking meat grinder of an American prison. Right. Which is like one of these things where it's like begrudgingly you're like, yeah, ugh, ugh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you <laughs> like, have a point, anyway. Scotland. You yeah, have a you point. Yeah, you do. Have, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go smoke a cigarette. I hate this shit. You know, like, that's, <laughs> I, I get it. It's like, all right, fuck. I guess it is what it is. That is how this should go. But, uh... Yeah, the only bombshell after that is so we're waiting for the extradition hearing in June, but it, they, they think it's going to take a while. Yeah. So there's going to be a lot more coming out. We already covered this. It's not a huge reveal, but the woman, the investigator who was fooled by the, the, the tattoo paint or the makeup or whatever, she said when she heard Miranda's voice on the interview, she was like, oh, that's Louise. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, Like, Miranda's Louise. She was like, 100%. She goes, I know my accents. That's fucking Louise. Yeah. So the wife is in on it. So if this dude goes down, she should go down as well. Cause yeah, she is... that, like, that's pretty wild that he was able to convince this woman to be so ride or die. I mean, I guess we what? learned that he's charming. Like, that's yeah. part of it. And maybe she's scared. I mean, I'm sure if she gets in trouble, she'll say that it's because she was scared. But yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Just just unusual for an incel to convince a woman of anything. So Yeah. It's, it's also, yeah, like surprising. how do you shouldn't you get fucking like shouldn't you get like rooted out of the incel community if you get pussy? Like Yeah, like, that is I feel like he's probably been been cast out, but who knows? Yeah, Maybe yeah, he's just like, an yeah. ally now, yeah. you know? You take yeah, you take your wet dick and you get out of here, all right, buddy? <laughs> Well, yeah, and like he, what you said, the, the two things you said, all, every one of his female victims have confirmed that they're very right. scared of him, and that yeah. he comes on charming as hell. He's, you know, he's a nice guy. He, he was, he was cooked in politics. Like yeah, he knows how he knows to be how to a it. disingenuous fake piece of shit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, oh, that's, damn, that's quite a, quite an adventure, quite a yarn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, this is a wild one, and again, it, it, we. We, you know, every now and then we'll do episodes that you know venture out of our, our normal uh, bracket. This one was a little crazy, but there's just so much there yeah. that is just completely our wheelhouse. So we had to talk about it. Uh, we will keep you updated. But yeah, for right now, for, for listeners, we have the Good Guys Club. It's people who weren't bad guys. I, I'm we're working on something there has to be like a heavy hitters club just like yeah. the kings of being full of shit and right now it is certainly nicholas oliverdian and george santos they're up there uh, for sure yeah um, they're in there yeah this guy like he, not worth it huge piece of shit one of the worst people we've ever covered absolutely yeah. big thumbs down to this guy <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> wish covid could have done us a solid here but yeah. unfortunately unfortunately well, the one no. thing it did do is it did it did allow us to catch him that's like, true like that's all true. all that the investigators were like yeah if he didn't have if he didn't get covid we would know yeah, it would have been a much longer and process. it did like make his life miserable like i he's probably he's faking some of this for sure but also like he was in a coma for a couple months he's probably pretty fucked up so that's good yeah, yeah that's yeah, nice yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You got yeah. You, we'll, we'll share the video along this. We're like, look, look, I can't even watch. Look, <laughs> he tries to get up. It is, it is, it's a Saturday Night Live sketch from like the mid '90s. It's like, it's like peak <laughs> SNL. It's very good. But uh, yeah, guys, if you liked what you heard, thank you for listening. We do this twice a month for free. We do it two times a month on our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash lie, cheat, and steal. Wherever you listen to us, if you could give us a five-star rating and a review, that really helps get the word out. Uh, if you want to join our Patreon, it gives you access to, like I said, two more episodes a month, as well as our Discord. And our Discord chat is a really fun place, so you want to be there. Uh, check us out on uh, Twitter, at LCS Podcast. Yeah, that being said, thank you for tuning in. Uh, Kath, you got anything coming up for us? Um. 
just listen to my other podcast, What a Time to Be Alive. It comes out every week. I'm Kath Barbadoro on social media, and thank you for listening. Yeah, guys, uh, I will have some dates. I'm going to be uh, doing a little bit of a run around Texas and surrounding states here in the next couple months. So I will let you keep you guys posted on that. You can find me at PCTX on Twitter.com. Uh, that being said, guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh, reach out to us. Give us some feedback on the episode. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you didn't like. Find us online. Be safe. Be smart. But above all, don't get caught. Don't get caught. See you next time. Bye. Bye.